But Love Church Part 4 is all about loving each other. So um, it's popular culture. Our popular culture today is flooded with love themes. So there's the Hallmark movies. Who loves Hallmark movies? Pauline is, is loves them. But who doesn't know what a Hallmark movie is? You are blessed if you don't know. <laughs> Hallmark movies, are, my, my wife watches a, a, a new one every day. So they must have millions of them. And, and, and every single one has a Christmas theme, has a Christmas part where they sing Christmas carols. They go, how come every one of these has always got a Christmas bit in it? Uh, it seems to be that's what they do. But they're love stories. They're, they're, they're really cheesy love stories. So there's um, country, who loves country music? Who's the country music fans around here? Who's the boot scootings? There they are. Some people are saying, oh, I wouldn't admit to that. But country music, it's all, there's all these love stories in country music about how much you love your, your dog or your, or, your, or your ute or whatever. There's, there's the rock ballads that we, that we know and love. You know, they, they are, our popular culture has, has love songs all through it. They all contain love themes. It's a big theme and, and we, all, we all like it because it resonates something within us because we have a need to love and to love others. And to be loved, I should say. But um, what else is there? Well, they, anyway, they all contain love. Who loves love movies like, like a, a good love story? I hate them. I, I, who, hey, all the, girls, all the girls were out on Friday night. Have a guess what was on TV Friday night. Rambo. Who, who, who watched it? I'll tell you what, I was getting so excited. I was thinking, man, that is me. That is me there. Anyway. And then Pauline came home earlier than expected, so I was, I was washing the dishes and vacuuming and haven't, haven't moved from the sink. <clears throat> but today, I want to give us a behind-the-scenes look at God's design for the church. So it's really important that we see this, that God has a design for church. He has a design for community. And uh, we need to understand these things and, and learn to adapt our nature to what God wants to see in our lives and through his church. So there's a, there's a big word there, adapt. This is nothing like the first service, by the way. It's sort of like I go on tangents, I go on different things. But, but the, a, a word for you today is adapt yourself to the things of the Spirit. Adapt yourself to the things of the Spirit because it is in the things of the Spirit that you'll find the power to live the Christian life. It's, it's not try hard. Uh, you know, because if we think, well, it's all about I've got to try hard, I've got to do behavior modification, I've got to, I've got to stop this and, and do that instead and all that kind of stuff, we miss the spirit. But God wants you to enter into a spiritual life that is power, that is clear, that is uh, effective in every single way. So Ephesians 5 verse 29, verse 30. Now, the, the last time I spoke on, on the Love Church theme, I used this scripture at the very end but I'm going to use it to launch into today. So Ephesians 5, verse 29 to 30 says, No one hates his own body, uh, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. So I said this last time, and I'll say it again because it's important to, to re-emphasize. Uh, to attack your own body, so you, you attack your body, you know, beat yourself or you cut yourself or whatever to attack your own body 
you're either insane or demon-possessed. So when we bring that into this context of this message, if we have this hate towards the body of Christ, there's either we're, we're, we're showing signs of madness or we've got some other spiritual element at work in our life that causes us to be that way. It's a pretty scary thought, but I believe it's true. So I'm going to give you three points to launch our behind-the-scenes Love Church tour from Ephesians chapter 5. So the first thing we're going to look at um, is don't hate church. Don't hate the church. See, in, in some places, hating on each other, others in the church has become a favorite sport. And it becomes so normal that people don't even notice that they're doing it. Um, we, we need to realize that, that uh, there's no benefit to us if we have that kind of attitude or culture within our spirits. The second thing, that more, more productive, so the first one is don't hate church. Don't hate others in church. Second part is you feed it. It says, you, you know, people don't hate their body, they, they feed it. They nourish it. And what you bring to the table expresses love. So what you can bring to your church expresses love to the church and to others as individuals. The third thing I want us to see is you care for it. Now, care means doing whatever is necessary. Doing whatever is necessary to protect, build, grow, and maintain the house of God or maintain the church, which is us. So... Jesus' disciples didn't do this well, believe it or not. And I want us to go behind the scenes on tour. We're going to jump on uh, the combi van with Jesus and have a look at a few things this morning together of how we need to love each other. So Matthew 16, there's, there's a, a, a verse here from every one of the Gospels. So Matthew 16 verse 8 says... Jesus said this to his disciples, why are you arguing with each other about having no bread? So right there we see the disciples, they're all in with Jesus, they're all on the combi tour, all piled in the bus, but they're arguing about the food. Uh, Mark chapter 9, it said they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. That's a great argument because everyone, everyone knows who's the greatest, but they're arguing about who's the greatest among them. Uh, Luke chapter 9, the same thing again. They're still arguing about which one of them was the greatest. And John chapter 6 says, Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. Jesus was aware that the, the disciples were complaining. So the disciples had a central focal point, which was Jesus, being Jesus. But they argued and they complained among each other. So in the combi with Jesus is cool. If it was just you and Jesus. It's everyone else that's the problem. So you might think, hey, this is so cool going on tour with Jesus. I got invited. I'm in the combi. I'm sitting in the front seat with Jesus as it hums down the road until it catches on fire. Who's ever seen a Volksy catch on fire? I've seen a Quite a few. Of all the cars I've seen catch on fire, it's, it's Volksies. I've seen a combi completely catch on fire. 
What my, my fame in Port Lincoln, when I first arrived in Port Lincoln, I got on the news because I saw a Volksy beetle drive past on fire. And so I turned around and chased after it and, and the whole thing caught on fire and was burning. And, um, and actually one guy came out with a fire extinguisher that, and I thought, oh, good, he'll put it out. And it goes, that, that lasts about half a second. And doesn't do anything. So, so the, ca- the car kept burning. And then the news turned up and they wanted to interview me. <laughs> and and, I'm, and I said, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty cool here. So, so what, what did, I saw the car catch on fire, so I chased it. And told, you know, by the time I caught up, the car was stopped. It was burning to the ground. But I was famous because a Volkswagen caught on fire. But in the combi with Jesus is super cool. We all would agree. Be great to be a disciple with Jesus if you were the only disciple. It's everyone else that's the problem. So in this story, that all the disciples individually related to Jesus, but were not so well toward each other. And that's one of the great things we need to develop as a church if we are to love each other is just discovering the way in which we can do that. Now, it's not manipulating others because we have such an unhealthy view of what love is and what uh, serving one another is like. And sometimes it can all be a one-way street where we say we, we, and, and individuals can become demanding of others for their time, for, their, for, for whatever that they want out of them. And that is, that's an abuse of a relationship. So we're not talking about that kind of a thing. We're talking about a mutual edification. That's a big word. Write that down. I don't know how to spell it. But it's a mutual benefit of each other where we are looking out for the needs of others, not just what's good for ourselves. So that makes sense to you this morning. So John chapter 13, uh, verses 34 and 35 says, So now I am giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So the writer here quoting the words of Jesus is is John, the Apostle John. And he carries this theme throughout his ministry and it's central to all his writings. So we see this writer, John, he, he wrote the the Gospel of John, which is quoted there. And he also wrote three other books in the Bible, John 1, or 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. It's pretty, pretty cool, pretty creative. Uh, what would we call these books? John, John, John. Uh, but there's the same writer. But central to the theme of John's writing is love for each other. Because he takes what Jesus said there and he hones in on that as a central theme of the message that he brings to the church, that he brought to the early church, that he brings to us today, the central theme is to love each other, love one another. So verse 35 says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So if we go to John, Second uh, John verse 6, it's, he, he goes on and says, love means doing what God has commanded us. And he has commanded us to love one another, just as you heard from the beginning. So here we have, he, he spoke it in the Gospel of John about love one another. And then years and years later, he's looking back over his ministry and he's reminding the church again what was spoken by Jesus 
And it is that just as you heard from the beginning, the story hasn't changed. We are to love one another, love each other. So I want to introduce the Greek of the week. So over the last, and Jimmy got excited in the first service. He thought I was going to talk about him, but it's not. The Greek of the week. So each one of these series, we've had a Greek word that we've looked into uh, and, uh, and saw some things about. So today's work is agape. His word is agape. It's a Greek word. I remember a friend of mine very excited. We used to have prayer meetings together on Sunday afternoons. At, 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 there was a few girls lived in the house and a whole gang of us would go up there on Sunday afternoons to have a prayer meeting. And at one of these prayer meetings, uh, Tracy, one of the girls, was so excited. She says, I can't believe it, guys. I've got to tell you about this book I'm reading. It's about, it's about the agape of God. I'm like, oh, I haven't heard of that. Never heard of that before. She says, that's just amazing. It's the agape love of God or the agape love of Jesus. If you could just understand it, I've got to tell you all about it. And she starts quoting from the book and she's so excited. And someone said, oh, I think you mean it's agape love. So it looks the same, but it's, it's pronounced different. And probably the way I've pronounced it is equally as wrong. So let's not get caught up about that. But uh, as far as what I can understand, it's pronounced agape. Everyone say agape. It's a good name for a girl. So if you want to name your daughter agape. <clears throat> so this word though, it has a, a powerful meaning. It's a pure sacrificial love that desires the highest good for others. So it's, it's, it's a, a type of love. So in the Bible, there are, there's probably about nine different words used for love. So in the English, English language, we have love, which means all kinds of stuff today. We have one word that fits all, um, and, and it's not really adequate. So in the Greek language, the ancient Greek language, there was, uh, I, I think, around about nine different words that were used that would describe the one word we use as love. But agape is, is a pure sacrificial love that desires the highest good for others. So Jesus illustrated agape in John chapter 15, verse 13. And he said this, There is no greater love, no greater agape than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And of course, we, Jesus is prophesying, he's speaking of his own sacrifice for, for us to take away our sins. He's saying, I'll, I'll lay down my life for others. So mature faith is perfected in agape love for each other. So if we want to mature ourselves in the things of the Spirit, agape is a powerful element of being a mature believer. So agape is the foundational strength Jesus had in mind for the church. So we might think, well, if I was creating a church, what kind of things would I think would be foundational? Oh, we, we would need really good buildings. Uh, that'd be good. A car park would be great. Electricity, uh, air conditioning, um, all these kind of ideas that we might think would be, or maybe uniforms, that would be good. If we all had really cool uniforms, that'd be a great foundation for the church. So we all knew who each other was because we all wore a uniform like a one heart cap that Josh is so proudly wearing. But Jesus laid a foundation called agape, which was love each other, love one another. So, I mean, it, it is amazing that we can have 
an, uh, an attitude to say, everything's sweet and cool and great between me and Jesus. I'm in the combi with just me and him, and that's sweet as. But don't let anyone else get in the way of Jesus and me. But the whole thing is, is Jesus puts us together with others on either side of us that we've got to do life with. And he wants us to mature through agape to love each other in a healthy way. So maturing in faith extends the agape love of Jesus through the church into the world. So one of the great lessons Jesus teaches is to lay down our life for the cross and for others. Uh, Matthew 10 verse 39 in other scriptures as well, um, it says to, to give up your life, you'll gain your life. To, um, to lay down your life, to take your life back up again. That's, that's found in agape love where you can give of yourself for the cross and for others and for the church. But it, it's some of those um, strange illustrations that Jesus had. If you want your life, you've got to give it up. If you want the best life, give it away. Uh, no, I, I struggle with this. I learned this. I, I'm still learning it. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm still learning. I'm still struggling. You know, it comes down to si- the most simplest things. Like when, when, when the wife says, can you just pick this up for me? It's like it's a one-way street when you think, hey, hey, wife, can you go and do this, pay this bill, do this, 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 this? Of course, you do it with, do it with bells on because you love it. But then when it's the other way around, you're thinking, oh, come on, do you think I've got nothing else to do with my life? I'm not picking up the chips. No. I learned this you know, very practically in, in my early days um, where I had a station wagon. And Saturday afternoons, the pastor would ring. Back in, when you only had one phone in the house, it was really handy because you could avoid things easily. But the pastor would ring and say, hey, Rob, you, could you pick up this family tomorrow for church? This is the address. Thanks a lot. And you're thinking, well, what about my plans? I I, I wasn't even sure if I was going to go to church tomorrow. Well, guess now I have to. It's okay. Drive around, pick up this family, take them to church, take them home. Don't worry about my plans, Jesus. And then the next time, can you pick up this person? Can you go here? I remember once the pastor said, can you pick up this guy? He's just came out of jail. I'm like, I don't, want to, I don't want to pick up a guy who's just come out of jail. I don't even know him. And, I mean, and this guy was like, you know, sometimes you hear stories of people who've just come out of jail. This guy was the, it. And it was fun. But you know what? I thought, I'm going to teach him. I'm going to, I'm going to show him. I'm going to teach this church a lesson. So I got rid of the station wagon. And, and I got myself a, a, a tray back ute. But only had two seats. Me in two seats. I thought, huh, I, can't, I can't pick up anyone. They ring me now and say, hey, sorry, car's full. Got no space. I can't bring anyone to church anymore. But you know what happened next? Hey, Rob, can you pick up a washing machine? Can you, can you, can you go and can you help shift a table? Can you help this person move? I'm like, uh, I'm getting back a station wagon. But see, love church expresses itself when our differences are subject to the cross. Now, agape diminishes our differences because we have ways of, of, of um, magnifying our differences. 
So there's, there's many different ways in which we can see a difference in someone else. And we can judge the differences and the inconsistencies of everybody else except want to have a, a, a more gracious um, balance given to us. So Ephesians 2 verse 14 and 16, an illustration of divisions. It says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles. Now there was no greater distance between people groups than Jews and Gentiles. A Jew would have nothing to do with a Gentile. They, they, they were just, you don't eat with them, you don't talk with them, you don't do business with them, you have as little to do with them as possible. So it says he unites Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. See, we can have walls of hostility within the church. Walls of hostility within a community. If I were to go around the room and just think really easily today, what are the walls of hostility in Port Lincoln? And there are many. There are, you, know, you can have a wall of hostility between what kind of football club you support or play for. You can have a wall of hostility because of your ethnicity. You can have a wall of hostility because of your, your political views. There are so many walls of hostility that we can, that we can readily live with and and uh, uh, adapt ourselves to when Jesus wants us to adapt ourselves to a spiritual reality that diminishes the hostility. Verse 16, it says, Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility towards each other was put to death. What was at work there was agape, the love that comes from heaven into people's situations, into their lives. Agape love that comes from the spirit that brings people together from diverse places and backgrounds to being Christ's body, the church. And that's, I think, one of the most unique things about the church is we, we ought to see, we should strive to see people from every strata of society and background in the house of God together worshipping Jesus for who he is and what he's done for us with no hostility, no hostility in the house of God. So Agape Church that loves one another is a place of security where the oil of the Lord's blessing covers us. There's a, we'll look at that in a second, but I want us just to camp a sec on security and prosperity go together. So where there's security, there is blessing. Where there's security, there is prosperity. And, and I believe the churches or the church that God will bless is a church that is secure in the things of God. Not, not you know, wavering, not, not uh, throwing things out the door, uh, not, not uh, letting things slide, but it's secure. Because so when, when you have security in, in your finances, when you have security in your emotions, you become stronger. You become better. You, you become well off. And God wants his church to be well off by investing security in things of the spirit. And we invest that by uh, allowing Jesus to work on our heart so that we are agents of agape to others. That all making sense? You're getting so excited this morning. But agape church loves one another. It's a place of security. Psalm 133 verse 2 a famous scripture there, talks about our unity 
is like the anointing oil that's poured over Aaron. Aaron was the priest. And uh, it says that, that unity is like the oil poured over Aaron's head when he was anointed. They poured oil over him. I, I have this ugly picture of what that would have looked like with a beard all covered in oil. And it says going down his, to the edges of his robe is co- completely covering him. But in a, in a good sense, what this is describing is the things of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon his people, being poured out over your life, being poured out over the church corporately. And it, it is... That the vehicle for that to happen in its fullness is unity among the church. That is, you know, if we're thinking we want to be a Pentecostal people, the most Pentecostal thing that you can do is be in unity in your church. Is to is to disconnect hostility from your life. Disconnect those things that separate people and find ways to restore relationship again. So unity is like the anointing oil poured out over Aaron. So agape love in church removes the hindrance for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. And that's got to be the goal of every church, is to, to be a place where the, the prosperity and the blessing of the things of the Spirit is poured out upon people, poured out into our lives, making us into the kind of person who can love with an agape love that is not natural, that is not normal. So we can choose to live under the flow of God's wonderful goodness. It's a choice to be an agent of agape. So Jesus on the cross took the hosti- he took hostility captive. So you know sometimes it, the, 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 we just need to get in line with what the Lord wants to do. And so hostility has a way of of infiltrating its way into our lives. Distance, misunderstanding, harshness has a way of getting its its way into our life but Jesus has taken hostility captive and releases us from its curses here's where it gets really good really practical can I have the musicians come back and join me Ephesians 4 verse 16 it says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love and full of agape. So he makes the whole body fit together. Sometimes we need to give ourselves a reminder that God has fit me together in the house of God. God has put me here. He's fitted me into this place. So we've got to tell ourselves, Jesus put me here. Jesus put me here for a purpose. You're, you're on the, the combi tour for a reason. Jesus wants to mature things in the church today. See, when we love one another, there is a weapon that the enemy can't use against us. See, there's so many, so many ways in which we give the enemy an opportunity. We give the enemy a blank check. We give the enemy the right to throw things at us. But when we operate out of agape, he can't use that against us. He can't use that against the church. Ephesians 4 verse 27 says, anger gives a foothold to the devil. And when agape is absent, the enemy gets advantage. So don't play into his game. 
I want to read something to you as if Jesus were writing or speaking direct to you today or speaking direct to us. Because we, we always need to have an eternal perspective. So when we think about our Christian life, when we think about developing things spiritually, when we think about who we are, we're eternal. And I want to keep reminding church that we're an eternal church. You're an eternal person. You're an eternal being. And we can't limit our perspectives to the physical. So if you think, well, why do we go to church? Why do we need to worry about agape? Why do we need to? Why do we? Why do we need the gifts of the spirit? Why do we do all this? Because we're eternal. And I want to. I want you to focus on your eternal destiny. So don't don't build a mansion on earth and have a have a tent or a haystack in heaven. You're getting it upside down. You're getting it back to front. You might have the greatest business, the greatest everything here on this earth, but neglecting eternity. I want us to be preparing for eternity and have that anchored in our spirit that God, you've created me for eternity. Help me not to miss that point. So when when agape is absent, the enemy gets advantage. So as if, I want to read this as if Jesus is speaking direct to us today. 2 Corinthians 12, 20. For I'm afraid that when I come, Imagine Jesus speaking this to us. I won't like what I find and you won't like my response. I'm afraid that I'll find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance and disorderly behaviour. I would much rather hear Jesus say, Instead, I came and I saw agape love among the brethren in the house of God, in the church, where people genuinely love each other. So love each other can be among the most challenging elements that we face as people on our maturing journey as disciples. Agape is the currency of Jesus that guarantees a fulfilling life, a healthy church, and effective ministries is when we base it in love is as I said before about the foundations of a healthy church is starts with agape love it starts with that foundation that's the whole linchpin of it all so love each other can be among the most challenging thing and it will be challenged by the enemy at every chance he had 2nd Corinthians 13 11 says here's what we love to hear Jesus speak to us and what I believe we will hear Jesus speak. Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. So can we stand together this morning? And I want us to make a few declarations today as, as the people of God, as One Heart Church as believers together in the house of God? And can we as a church determine to grow in agape, to to learn to to grow in love for Jesus and each other? Because I know there's going to be great freedom come to our lives when we get these things anchored. 
that we could reevaluate the purity of our motives. Uh, simply, we need to ask Jesus to help us to understand and to extend agape love to others, that it may permeate our church, starting with me. As much as it is, it is up to me, Lord, may I be a carrier of agape kind of love. May I be unified in purpose with those around me. May I not be fine, not seeking to, to embarrass or, or confuse others. But I want to make their life a, a, a stronger life. So if you will, I'd just love us to raise our hands together to heaven. And I want to pray for something supernatural to come into our, into our experience today. And I think sometimes for many of us, the longer we've been in church, the, actually the further we, we get from where we ought to be. But we want to reset some things today. We want to reset the foundations of the agape that Jesus had in mind for his people and say, Jesus, may I be an agape person. So Father, right now I speak over your church. I speak over your people. I just believe today is a new day. I believe today is a, a, a time of refreshing. It's a time of renewing. It's a time of digging wells again in the things of the Spirit that release the power of God, that release the oil of your anointing over your people. Father, I pray and I prophesy and speak over One Heart Church that that we truly begin to understand the agape foundation that you want us to, to live in, to be blessed in. Father, I pray for security in your church. I pray that there'd be no enemy toeholds that he can exploit or take advantage of us with. But Jesus, I pray for the agape of Jesus that takes away all hostility, that creates a framework of joy and blessing and fruitful living in every part of our lives. I just pray that and speak that over your church today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you receive that, give the Lord a shout this morning.